This episode of the Third Paradigm Podcast was hosted by Clarity and Nuance. Original artwork for this episode is by Jamila Kukomo. Audio editing is by Dave Kovacek of Moderate Science Recording in Royal Oak, Michigan. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, visit bit.ly slash third paradigm guest. That's bit.ly slash the number three R-D capital P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M capital G-U-E-S-T. If you would like to submit a topic for a future episode, please submit your topic and a brief description to thirdparadigmpodcast at gmail.com. That's the number 3RD, paradigmpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to Third Paradigm, Season 2. We are your hosts. I'm Clarity, and with me, as always, is my partner, Nuance. Third Paradigm is a digital third place, which is where people practice the art of conversation. The host and guests come from all backgrounds and different perspectives. We at Third Paradigm will discuss ideas and the facts of life with respect while pushing the envelope. Full disclaimer, the hosts and the guests will share their opinions. The opinions of our guests are strictly their own and do not represent the opinions of Third Paradigm. However, when we the hosts share facts, we will back them up with evidence. If we are wrong, we will make it right as soon as possible because we believe in practicing integrity. Welcome to Third Paradigm. So we would like to take this start of this new season by thanking all of our listeners, subscribers, and supporters for our successful season one. We have come a long way since our early days back in the midst of 2020 pandemic, which is when the show was first born. So from the bottom of all of our hearts here on Third Paradigm, we thank you very, very, very much. Yes, and tonight, tonight's episode will kick off our season two with a focus on the LGBTQIA plus community as June is Pride Month. We also want to acknowledge our immigrant brothers and sisters as June is also Immigrant Heritage Month. So before we begin, we would like to take the opportunity to thank our guests for participating for our episode today. We have Shin Hu Young who is a self-funded independent artist that strives to create and be part of events and promote growth and uplift unheard voices in the community. You can find his content on popular streaming platforms, including, but not limited to, Apple Music, Spotify, and YouTube. We also have Michael Fredenberg with the TYT Army Oregon chapter. You can find them at the hash, the handle TYT Army Oregon, all on social media. We also have Joe Black, who is a black gamer and a singer. And we also have Valentino, a biracial gay man, a streamer, an advocate for the LGBTQIA plus community who has served on a few local senatorial campaigns for pro LGBTQIA plus politicians. And we also have Meredith as well. So thank you. Thank you all for coming on and taking the time out for being on our show. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. So for clarity, let's go over just a couple of some house rules for our structure this evening. We do ask that you please mute your mic when you're not speaking. This is to give respect to the other participants and avoid feedback and background noise. Because this is a digital podcast, all call lagging might cause some interruptions. We do apologize in advance as this is beyond our control. We will also direct the questions to an individual participant and then open it up to the floor. Each question will take roughly about five minutes to answer in total, not five minutes per question per person. When answering or commenting, please announce yourself so the listeners know who is speaking. This will include the hosts. 
And then the last rule is please respect each other. Refrain from insulting others here today. We may have disagreements and that is wonderful. Please keep it civil. So everybody ready to go? Yeah, I am ready. All right, let's go. All right. So with every single one of our shows, and this is how we're going to start off season two with a really weird icebreaker question that for whatever bizarre reason was going through my mind and I could not stop laughing about it. It makes no sense. So brace for impact. Here is season two's first icebreaker. If you crash landed on an island with no people and you decide to throw a party, how many monkeys would you invite and why? Um, this is Shin Hu Young. Um, I'm just going to jump in right now. There are so many questions I have uh, in regards to this, but why am I on a plane? Where am I going? Uh, what area of the world? Like, you know, if it's on a landed, like, am I in the Pacific or the Atlantic? Like, and how do I know what kind of monkeys they are? I mean, that's a big question. I mean, if they're like, gorillas or you know i wouldn't really want them at a party i don't know why i'd be wanting to throw a party i must have really lost my mind how long have i been there to want to throw a party because my initial reaction would be get me off this island i'm terrified like peace with that and decided i want to throw a party so there's just so many so many holes uh that maybe someone else can jump in here and kind of set the mood for why am I in the mood to throw a party as I'm deserted, marooned on this island, not knowing if I'm going to make it back home. I have to concur. Like, if I'm on a if I'm on a deserted island, uh, the last thing on my mind is throwing a monkey party. Um, there are lots of questions like what type of monkeys are these? Like, if I'm on, like, is this a tropical island with, like, little cute, like, capuchin little monkeys or am i like in the middle of japan with the like if i was in the in japan because that's technically an island and they had the monkeys that like take steam sauna baths then that's a totally different situation because yeah yes. but, like, you it, get it, depends, it. <laughs> right it depends on the type of monkey it depends on where i'm at like it depends on the party like i there well, i have questions. watermelon with mustard on it because if there's watermelon with mustard at this party, I am all about to throw down if these monkeys can help me make that happen. But yeah, if, if we're like sitting in like these nice little hot springs together, you know, light up, bottoms up, throw some watermelon and mustard in there. I'm ready to go. Oh my God. So I have not done the watermelon with mustard thing. I don't know if I can even, uh, I don't know. Oh, I'm going to come in on that. I'm not a fan of watermelon, but my first thought was invite all the monkeys. But then once you guys started, I'm like, well, now there's a lot of questions going through my mind. What kind of monkeys are they? Where, where am I? Where, how did I get to this train of thought where I'm like, let's throw a party? You know, um, is it going to benefit me getting off the island? Do the monkeys know where food and water are? I mean, yeah, I, uh, I'm still going to go with all the monkeys, but, but I do have a whole bunch of whys, so. 
Valentino and Meredith, would you like to answer this really bizarre question? <laughs> so will I guess we give separate answers. For me, it depends on the type of monkey or primate, and I do have numbers. Uh, silverbacks, about 12. Uh, they don't mess with anything they perceive to be weaker than themselves, so I can vibe with them. Uh, Regatanes, I'll go with eight. Uh, they're very smart, and they're also very chill. Zero chimps, because I personally hate them because they are extremely aggressive, and they, uh, they're built different. Fun fact, they're known to rip out the throats and uh, cannibalize them, uh, one another, so I'm uh, not messing with chimps. But um, I, I think like eight orangutans, 12 gorillas would be my answers. You, Meredith? Um, I was originally only gonna say, I didn't think through the types of monkeys, but I was gonna say maybe just like three or five, a small party, but then I figured they'd wanna invite their monkey friends and it'd be like awkward if we left anybody out. So I'd say maybe like send like written invitations to three or five and then they can invite who they choose to invite. Anyone's, everyone's welcome. Do they have the RVSP? Yeah, the, no, no RSP, RBSPs. <laughs> well, thank you all for answering this question. I really have no idea why this question came to my mind today, but I really kind of felt like, you know what? Let's start season two with a really bizarre, like, left turn, left, whatever you want to call a curveball question. That's just kind of like, what? So. Claire, this sounded like it came out of Breaking Attention series. Remember that from season one? That's what this sounded like. I, yeah. I had the questions. Thank you all for answering that. Yeah, Nuance, what about you? How many monkeys did you invite to your party on the deserted island? I would just get the little monkey that just like to eat fruit. That's it. And I would just invite a few of them. No, the little, little monkeys that just want to eat fruit. That's it. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And um, I definitely agree with Meredith. I feel like I would invite a couple and then let them RSVP and bring some friends. I think that would be kind of cute. Because um, if I invited like the whole island, it's, it's just going to be like a, what would it would be? It would be like a Coachella monkey fest. And I'm like, I'm not about to be on a Coachella monkey fest or even a Woodstock monkey fest. That's just too many monkeys. So. Anyway, thank you all for answering that really weird icebreaker. This is exactly the whole point of the show. We never tell our guests what the icebreaker is. So you might get a question that's kind of like, oh, that's pretty deep. And other times you're going to get like this one where it's just like, I have no idea where you're going with this clarity. Um, so with that, let's get started with our questions. So again, thank you all for answering that one. And we're going to start with question number one. Um, what does Pride Month mean to you? And I'm going to direct this question to Michael. Pride Month, uh, to me, I think it's kind of an individual thing, honestly. Um, maybe that's also just my perspective and perception as well. I've lived, I've lived in a community that doesn't really have a lot of, doesn't seem to have a lot of that going on until now. So also, I'm a late bloomer in coming out and identifying as gay. So there's that. but. Pride Month would definitely be recognizing the history that people have gone through to get where we are. Um, that's one of the biggest ones, I think. And then just kind of for myself individually, also kind of being glad that I'm where I'm at now on my path and like how more specifically I'm comfortable in being open and expressing myself in the community and 
hopefully connecting more with it as well as as this journey of life goes forward so thank you for much for responding on that one that was really good a lot of self-reflection um it is now open up to the floor uh this is joe black here and i can say that pride is a convergence of a couple of things um i will say uh that pride uh modern day pride is a convergence of protest it's a convergence of self acceptance and actualization um it's uh it's it's a lot pride is a lot of different things for a lot of different people but like uh in terms of just like the modern day movement uh i'm going to say the biggest thing is probably uh part part celebration of oneself and part at protest mainly starting off with the protest part <laughs> absolutely thank you so much yeah this is shun Young. i really loved your answer joe black um and i really vibed with that you said that pride is a celebration of oneself it kind of goes into something that i wrote down um i was at a recent pride event and they asked me what pride meant to me and i said that pride means that you have the freedom to express yourself honestly pride means that you do not have the privilege to tolerate me or decide to choose to accept me because you want to because that it's a celebration of oneself it demands you to respect me for who I am because I'm human just like you and as I was thinking about that more it is a bit bitey and aggressive but I think going through life I have been tolerated and people have chose on their own terms on their level of comfortability and accepting me when I do my best to accept everyone for who they are no matter where you are in life because i focus on the human aspect so all in all i would say that pride is about humanity it's recognizing that we are more than just simple beings we have feelings and opinions and there is a spectrum that we all fall on and it's beautiful and that's part of acceptance yeah, thank you, uh, Shin. I I just wanted to say that um, as the I don't know if I'm the only person here who's had a question, but that is what it actually means to be looking and watching and befriending and loving people. I, I I see it as to be gay is human, and no matter what your religious beliefs are, it, it, there's no excuse. They're just as human, and I, I really appreciate that statement. Okay, thank you all for sharing your responses on question one. That was excellent. A lot of self-reflecting, a lot of kind of, I think I overheard somebody mentioning um, the history, which I think is definitely something that needs to be taught more, especially in K through 12 um, schools, because we're part of our history in this country just as much as everyone else. So it's very important. So uh, Nuance, would you like to take on number two? Yes, uh, number two. What misconceptions do you hear the most about the LGBTQIA 
surplus community that causes harm to people of that community. And I want to start with Meredith. Hi, this is Meredith. Um, so, good question. Um, I know growing up um, in like a community that probably wasn't as accepting as they probably should have been, um, things that were sort of hinted at about the community to me is just that um, a lot of their I'm not sure if we should be taking it here, but I did hear a lot about just that they're, it's always focused on like their sex lives and not really about how it's about like your loving relationship. And so that was sort of, to me, that seemed the most harmful is just the focus so much on the actual sex aspect of it rather than just that it's about love and relationships and how you express yourself. Thank you. I actually uh, believe that's very profound because, like I said, everyone's a human being. Everyone has you know, insecurities. Everyone has aspirations. Everyone has flaws. You know, everyone has pride in the other sense of the word, an ego. Everyone has uh, ways about them. And so there's just such a focus on just what the sexuality of the person is. And it's just like, I don't know, it's kind of like what my wife once said, some men see women as just vaginas walking on the street and it's like you have a whole human being. Uh, this is open to the floor now. Thank you. I'm sorry. I just, okay, really quick, Meredith, that was awesome and I'm glad that you took it there um, because that was a misconception that I didn't even think of. Um, the whole, we got to differentiate that sexuality isn't sex life sexuality is identity and while our sex life does play a part in our identity it's not us as a whole um real quick just gonna throw this out there my misconception that i thought of was that same-sex couples cannot be parents because a child needs a male figure and a female figure for a healthy development that was a conversation that i've had recently um well i believe that there can be balance i don't believe that just because you have a female and a male parent is like it creates the best child you see a lot of single parents out there um, I have friends who are in same-sex marriages and they're raising their children everything is fine either way we're all gonna have trauma I mean something's gonna happen we're not gonna let it go um, but that shouldn't be solely a parent's um, blame you know, so that was my misconception that I thought about, and I'm done. Okay. Um, the misconception that I have seen the most from uh, outside of people in the community is that um, is that of having homosexuality put in the same categories as like other as other harmful sexual disorders. Uh, uh, so like a, a, what I've been seeing spread a lot on like uh, right Twitter or just other more conservative places are just like lumping in homosexuality with stuff like bestiality or pedophilia or something like that. Yeah, no, they, it is not the same. It is not in that category, but I've seen 
people who who are more conservative try to you know lump all of those together and yeah that's the misconception that i would love if that we were able to just make that go away uh the the pedophilia thing i've heard forever but bestiality that's a new one (laughs) so thank you for sharing that joe that's a new one to me Oh, yeah, because it gets lumped in with kind of like uh, uh, people who like to do like uh, it, it, like because there's an aspect with pride because OK, because there's always been a kink component specifically to pride. Um, like mm-hmm. you have people who are who enjoy like leather play and like pup play and like fur, like furry stuff. Like so there is a aspect of kink to pride. And then people who try to make, you know, disingenuous straw man arguments about, you know, why pride should not be a thing. They try to link, you know, somebody who's in a leather puppy suit as to like be to bestiality. It's 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 all disingenuous bs but i just wish that some people actually do take it seriously and to you know and believe it and i wish it the reason why it's a common misconception is because of that so i wish that we were able to like get that out of here absolutely michael um and valentina you have something to add uh this is michael i'll go really quick all of all these things i've heard mentioned i've heard before so for me it's kind of all of them and just this concept to perpetuate in our in our society that homosexuality or homosexuals are just wrong or less than and, and marginalized and there are certain people within our community that are more marginalized than others but the fact is is that we're all humans and we are all different and unique and there are people that have kinks as you were just talking about or people that I'm, I can't quite articulate uh, the transgender community and how people don't understand that and how people within the community will also kind of ostracize it, unfortunately. Um, uh, Caitlyn Jenner comes to mind. But um, so we oh. have a long way to go. The thing I want to point out right now is something I only recently found out, which was my, in my state of Oregon, we used to practice eugenics up until 1983 where that was when we finally quit practicing forced sterilizations against people uh from promiscuous women uh people with epilepsy uh people that were considered sexual deviants including homosexuals and that's not that long ago i don't know how old everybody is here but that's two years before my life started. So that's not that long ago. So we have a long way to go. And I really appreciate the, the uh, specific points everybody pointed out, but that's that's kind of what I see is just how we need to stop marginalizing altogether. And I, and I hear it all the time, just like using gay as a slang, like, oh, that's okay. Like it's annoying, but that's all I have to say for that for the moment. What year was the eugenics thing again? It was from 1924 to 1983 was when they, maybe 83 was when they, yeah, stopped. But years before I was born, my gosh. It's it's terrifying. I mean, it's terrifying. It's it's wicked and there's still examples of it throughout our, our country and they align with the fact that there, there are so many states trying to take away women's rights. So we need to understand the intersectionality of 
all of these things as well. All right. Um, thank you so much for that education and for sharing that perspective. Uh, anybody else want to share or are we ready to go to question three? Sorry. Oh, that's good. Hi. Um, one thing that I grew up when, well, growing up and with a parental figure who was very openly both homophobic and racist, uh, was the treatment of homosexuality as a new trend. Uh, growing up, I frequently heard him and his family refer to homosexuality as this newfangled thing that other kids are getting into. That it was like pock, a pock. Um, like it was punk from the 1960s, like it was like came out of nowhere. And I feel like that harms the community in the sense that people don't understand that we are not fighting for a newfound sense of equality. We are fighting for the return of equality that we had. And we had, I would point. Homosexuality goes as far back as humanity does. And there were societies where homosexuality was wasn't even a thing because it was normal. Being promiscuous, messing around with people of both sexes where it was either encouraged or just not paid any mind to. And that's why I feel like Brad is trying to return to the fact that we are something that is completely natural, something old and ancient, and something that we, that should have been, like I guess, accepted all along, that we've been here, that we need to be seen because we were seen at one point. And that this, that pride in being gay is new, rather the discrimination that we face being new. Homosexuality predates the Abrahamic faith, which lead to our discrimination. It predates um, modern, a lot of modern society that helps to normalize our discrimination. We are not what's new. We are what has been, I guess, excluded from the very nature of humanity. Growing up, I was very interested in um, ancient history and through my research I learned that there were very prominent figures of Mesoamerican, Greco-Roman, and even Chinese uh, history who were LGBTQIA+. And they weren't judged for that. It was considered acceptable back then. The hatred that we face is newfounded, is new, and needs to be treated as such. We aren't fighting to be seen as equals. We are fighting to be return to be equal i guess is what i'm trying to say thank you thank you so much clarity here that all your answers were yes i'm, I'm going to snap to every single one of you like those answers just phenomenal and michael thank you for sharing that historical fact um nuance i would definitely recommend if we can find some information we can put that in our description box so people can do some more further reading because again that's one of our biggest goals with the show is providing new information and if we have a resource um, especially Michael, if you have a resource that you would like for the audience to learn more about that, um, I think that would be very encouraged because I didn't realize up until 1983 that it was still going on. That is very disturbing in our own country. Um, I can, I can pull that up. Another thing I wanted to mention is it's actually, uh, indigenous, uh, national indigenous, indigenous history month as well. Mm. Um, so I think that's some very important for folks to know uh, i will find some information backing up what i had just said so perfect thank you and, and thank you for a shout out for indigenous and native native american brothers and sisters and valentino um you actually paved the way for our next question so that is perfect so question number three 
is have you experienced discrimination within the LGBT community? I've actually had some conversations with people about this. We do experience discrimination from the outside inwards, but oftentimes we don't talk about other LGBT people discriminating against other LGBT people. So I'm going to direct this question back to you, Valentino, if you'd like to, if you have any experiences that you'd like to share, and then it will be open to the floor. Hi, I've actually talked to Clarity about this story a few times uh, in private. So as you know, I'm a biracial. I am Latinx, uh, specifically Puerto Rican and African-American. However, um, I am light-skinned. I am light-skinned. Um, I have dealt with a lot of men not realizing that I am half black. And honestly, I consider myself more black than Latinx. Um, due to the family that raised me. Um, this this incident took place in my, I think it was my second, uh, was my second college uh, I transferred to. I was seeing this man from the rival university, air quotes here, um, who I'm not getting into. But at one point he started to hint at a lot of these and really anti-black um, sentiments. Uh, degrading his roommates, uh, at one point even going as refer, uh, going as far as refer to the black students as savages. Over time, it just kept escalating and escalating and uh, escalating. He hid behind the "it's just dark humor, it's edgy humor" until I sat down and I talked to him in front of his friends and I said, "Hey, are you actually racist?" And he goes, "Honestly, I don't like black people. I do not like them. I think they're less than me." And I said. Um, insert name here. I am so sorry to inform you over this, but I am half black. Like, like you know, you've been messing with a black guy for the past like nine months. Like, come on, it's not cool. It's me. I and I know you know that it makes me feel uncomfortable. And to which he told me that um, it's okay. You are my brown paper bag test. I don't mess around with black guys darker than you. And when I said that, I said um. He was Caucasian. And when I said that, I was like, that's not cool. I'm like, like, are you kidding me? He goes, and his excuse for defending his racism was the fact that he felt that the black community has done nothing for the LGBTQIA plus community. That we served as an obstacle and have done more harm to the community than good, which infuriated me because People don't understand that, like the Black Panthers and the Gay Liberation Movement, uh, like were were tight. The leaders were tight back in the day, to the point where the leader of the Black Panther movement actively tried to fight against LGBTQIA plus discrimination in the Black community. It's his sheer ignorance and gall to just completely go surreal an entire race of people, and he go uh, um, and then to like say to me that he had no problem knowing that I was a person for her, knowing that I was black to escalate his racial humor that he hid behind the guise of humor uh and he wanted to see how far he could get it before i realized that he was actually racist uh and honestly i feel like an idiot for not realizing it sooner wasn't many of the pioneers for the lgbt pride month started by black trans women there was what was her name i think her name was like marsha p johnson Yes, yes, thank you. Escaped my mind. I'm so sorry, but I just want to say I'm like 
pride started because of black trans women i need to do more research i just came to find this out as i've been part of some pride events but i'm like i don't understand why people point fingers and say like who's not doing what it's kind of like that's why we have communities one person shouldn't do the work for a whole community that's you know more hands involved there you know less work it is for everybody this is an inclusive thing like i don't like it when people point fingers and say like this person isn't pulling their weight or this person didn't do this it's kind of like ooh, okay well just because someone didn't get their name plastered all over the world doesn't mean that that community or that ethnicity or whatever wasn't involved in making something happen you i know it's really general but i want to throw that out there is like i'm like i'm pretty sure some black trans women were like the pioneers for the pride thing yes uh black and latinx uh transgender women um were pretty much the pioneers of the modern day movement like they're the ones like okay so we technically do not know who threw the first brick. There's a common narrative that it was Marsha P. Johnson who uh, threw the first brick. We can't confirm that. Uh, every interview that she has had uh, has come with a uh, like kind of like a wink, wink, not, not like maybe maybe it could have been me, uh, but nothing actually confirmed because you have to remember in during her life and during her time even toward the later part of her life like everybody was afraid to be like yeah i was the one who threw the first because you because we were so discriminated against even then we didn't know if you know people didn't know that if they were going to be charged with that crime so everybody was kind of just like i was there i was there but nobody was just like yeah i'm the one who threw the first stone um so we cannot but it was because of like I said, black and Latinx, Latine. Is it Latinx or Latine? I'm, uh, but uh, if I'm just gonna say black and brown uh, trans women of color who got that what they called a riot, which I'm going to point out that um, language here is very important because a lot of protests when they are started by people of color are deemed as riots. Like you saw with the Black Lives Matter, you know protests uh as well but yeah the first you know stonewall the first pride parade was a literal riot uh that we later recognized as you know a protest clarity here thank you all for sharing that meredith and michael do you have anything that you would like to share have you experienced discrimination within the lgbt community i'll go ahead and go this is michael um I have. I've experienced it as, uh, from people that aren't, obviously, um, with, within, um, I was incarcerated for a time and the atmosphere there for being, being gay and being open was different, you know? Um, and I recall how certain people, one person in particular would always like to perceive themselves as so much more superior than myself because of their own conceptions about the way they they thought beauty was so fortunately it wasn't like a horrible like thing but it's still i have experiences i was talking about 
what I've seen uh, outside of the community is people lately talking about, um, I'll use the example of being in a car and how in the LGBTQIA plus, I got right, car, it's like people within that car will also talk about transgendered people and the current, well, I don't even want to call it current because transgender people just like we were talking about is as old as time is it's a human nature thing uh, as being a problem and holding the thing back and when i hear that it's very frustrating because it's, it's clearly they're they're not even understanding our history for example we were just talking about marcia p johnson and the brick so like they've always been in the car get get like be quiet and and so so yeah, that's that's what comes to mind for me again. Thank you, Meredith. Do you have anything like a toy? Um, I would just echo kind of just what everyone else is saying that I do think a lot of emphasis has been placed on sort of like the the white gay man part of the community and a lot of um, like just ignoring the other parts of the community, particularly, of course, if you're a person of color, it's gonna be ignored as well. But I think that's just why intersectionality is so important. Clarity here, thank you so much, absolutely. And part of the reason why we wanted to make sure we address these things within the own community, as I was mentioning earlier, um, I've had countless conversations with people all across the spectrum on the LGBT community and the entire acronym, and there is a lot of infighting, especially within the LGBT community and on a broader scale, and this is for a whole nother podcast, but there's been a lot of infighting even within progressive communities. Um, infighting within um, the, the quote, the left community. Um, and what bothers me the most is it boils down to the crab bucket mentality. I've heard this used a lot where the crabs will all fight each other to try to get to the top of the bucket. But the problem is, is they're all still inside the bucket. And then who's the one that's carrying the bucket? So that's partially the reason why I think when we have these dialogues and this is part of one of our big goals with the show is a lot of that internal reflections looking inwards a lot and being able to say like even down to our personal own uh, biases and having that open and honest dialogue so thank you every one of you again for sharing your open and honest um, views so moving to question number four this is kind of taking that now and kind of again kind of expanding on it just a little bit um, and this is from conversations from even within the within and outside the LGBT community. Some feel that the LGBT plus community isn't really inclusive, especially within the LGBT plus members within the community. What specific issues do you feel that need to be addressed? And I know we kind of talked a little bit on the last one, but we are going to kind of dive more like class, for example, or things like that. So I'm just kind of throwing that out there as different things. And I'm going to direct this one to Shin Hu Young, and then it'll be open to the floor. Hi, this is Shin Hu Young. For me, it's one word, stereotypes. Stereotypes are very big in the LGBTQ plus community, which I think is ironic because we claim that be yourself, express yourself, be your one yourself, but yet <laughs> we are the ones who need to put labels on people to feel better about ourselves. And I see that 
outside of the LGBTQ plus community, which is surprising. I see it way more in here. And many issues, it comes back to labels like for Asian men. I get discriminated for being Asian quite often because in the LGBT community, Asian men are seen as submissive um, because we're of smaller stature, we're seen as inferior and weaker. Um, we're also seen as the ugliest ethnicity, which I do not understand, and power bottoms. Okay, also feet, I don't get it. Um, and this is not coming from stories that I've heard just coming from experience of mine I get messaged on dating apps all the time for feet pics or can I ruin your hole like I'm gonna get real explicit because it pisses me off stereotypes huge issue and I think that in order for us to fight back against that is by not continuing that narrative. So I've been very vocal on where I stand as a human being, because how am I going to get someone that is white or black or someone who is taller than me, someone who is richer than me, someone who is poorer than me, someone, you know, it's like, if I can relate to you as a human being, then you can understand my struggle. That is my answer. Thank you for passing this one to me and I'm complete. It's open to the floor. Uh, I just nuance here. I just had a question before we move on. Does anybody feel that sometimes the stereotypes outside the community can kind of infiltrate, like bleed into the community? Because when you said that gay Asian men are seen as submissive, it reminds me of the stereotype that the USA has about Asian women. And then the fact that Asian men are seen as the most ugly that's still kind of like in the heterosexual community asian men and black women are the most un unwanted online so i just wanted to throw that out there and um i guess i could direct that to uh to meredith and whatever you had going on as well as Shin. oh i'm gonna say thank you for clarifying actually you're right i'm wrong um totally agree with you a lot of it is from everybody this is an everybody thing this isn't just an lgbt thing i think this is an everybody thing in dating hi this is meredith um so to answer your question i totally agree that like the outside stereotypes affect um both like what the inside of the community does and just how we even perceive ourselves in the community um i know uh, like a lot of stereotypes for women is that we're like also sort of submissive and that we're uh, supposed to keep up a certain appearance. And then so that sort of feeling that women should sort of be quiet and demure has influenced kind of how I feel I present myself as like a gay woman um, that I don't want to stand out as like a uh, more masculine women, woman at times just because that was seen as on the outside as such like a bad thing. Yeah, I'm not sure where else I should go with this, but just sort of that influence is there as well. Thank you. Anybody else? Uh, 
Uh, Joe Black here, and I just want to agree with uh, with Meredith and Shin that, oh my God, labels, 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 hold back our community so much. Because, okay, I'm just going to give you an example of stuff that I, and mind you, I have been in a committed uh, relationship for 11 years, but even I see this uh and I'm not even looking and I see this and it just makes me angry every time I see this. The phrase, no fats, no films, no blacks, no Asians on a profile, like on people's profiles. And it's funny cause like, I know that this is a podcast so nobody can actually see the video feeds. But when I said that at least three people just had a physical reaction to that phrase, cause we see it so much. The labels have such a detrimental effect on uh, people within the community. Sometimes from within the community, like I said, when we see those labels put like that, or sometimes from outside of the community, like I, like there are things that I picked up that I didn't even know were harmful until later on in life when I learned about certain things. And I will give you the perfect example. As a kid growing up in Detroit, there was this show on Cartoon Network called Cow and Chicken. Cow and Chicken, the cartoon, they had a episode and I, I do I do apologize to anybody who might be listening. They had an episode where they had a all-female motorcycle gang who would come in uh, like and disrupt uh, Cow and Chicken's house life. But literally what they did was they would come in and they would eat the carpet of Cow and Chicken's house. As a little kid, I laughed. I thought, ha ha ha, that's, you know, that's funny. They're destroying the house by eating the carpet, right? Wasn't until, wasn't until, you know, 20 years later after I learned it was a joke on carpet munching. And like, I didn't know how offensive that was until 20 years later. So like, there are things from within the community and there are things from without of the, uh, outside of the community that we just come across and might not, you know, like at that age, when I saw that, I didn't have the information that I had now. So like it, like I was not prepared to just call bullshit on that at, you know, five, six, seven years old. I'm just thinking, oh, it's funny. The 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 motorcycle, the, the female motorcycle gang is destroying the house. That's hilarious. It's not hilarious, but you know, it's, it's stuff like that. It's stuff like that, that you have to fight oppression from both inside and outside the house at the same time. And it fucking sucks. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Part of my ignorance, could you, could you please just elaborate quickly on what carpet munching is? And I apologize, but that is a slur. I have never heard it in my life. I will never say it again. After this. I, just, I have never heard such a thing. I can be oh. the scientist if you guys need me to. It is the slang term for uh, conolingus, which is a proper term. Um, it's, it's eating vagina. Woohoo! It's a good right. word. We should be comfortable saying it. You right. See, you see, but the, I, thought, I thought with the motorcycles, there's a bull and then there's a D word that comes after that. That came to mind when you started saying that. And now it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's what well, that's what kind of what they had on this cartoon. And like I said, as a kid, I didn't know. 
I, I had no context for, you know, the joke, the adult joke that they were putting there. And, but like, it wasn't until, like I said, until two decades down the line when I started learning about this and started, you know, educating myself. I'm just like, oh crap, that, that's, that's really not cool. So that's why I said it gets tiring having to fight oppression from both inside the LGBTQ plus car and from outside of the, the car as well. I'll say something really quick. I actually remember that that episode and watching that cartoon as well. And it just made me think of all the different examples of gay homosexual characters in, in TV and cinema. Uh, as they're portrayed and in some cases it's 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 not as derogatory as others i guess i'll put it that way but that is something that absolutely needs to change so we're not so continued to be marginalized um i think to address this to go back to the example of everybody in the car um let someone else drive it doesn't have to be the gay white man driving you know um let the more marginalized person that the people that have those experiences come forward and speak either in 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 all different things like obviously in different uh ceo positions and in the movies and in stuff like that so that way the representation and what's then being put out in, in the media and whatnot is is more true to life and it's not going to be stuck on ignorant tropes and, and false stereotypes um, Thank you, everyone. Clarity here for sh- thank you all for sharing all these perspectives. I mean, again, like the last questions that we're having, um, a lot of this was focusing heavily on internal struggles within the community because, like I mentioned, I, I feel that that's something that is almost not addressed enough is the internal discrimination and that 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 idea of ignoring the intersectionalities where we know we're part of the LGBT community, but we're also part of other communities simultaneously. And when you see that within the community, because I've seen that same thing, Joe Black, that you were mentioning, where I've seen that on so many profiles where it says no fats, no femmes, no blacks, no Asians. It's just, it, it harks back to the early, actually one could even argue to this day, but like, especially back during the early 20th century, when you saw stuff like that posted on company businesses on the whole, it's no different. It's no different. And I would say personally, labels themselves are not bad. Be proud of those labels, but I definitely agree. It's taking that label into a, almost like a filter concept. Like, I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want this. I don't want that. Just be proud, be proud of all those identities. So. Thank you again for all sharing those and all these perspectives. So Nuance, would you like to hit the next question? Yeah, yeah. Um, So uh, number five, I think this is a question that is very relevant to what we're going through right now, um, the pandemic and with all the policy decisions that were made um, without our consent. Uh, How does class play a role um, in the issue of the LGBTQI a plus community, both within the community and outside of it. How, how does class play a role? And let's start with Joe. Joe Black. Okay, so class plays a very big role in the community because you have to remember, before anything, 
America is a capitalist country. So if you got the money, honey, we can we can we can work some things out. Like like stuff may be messed up and not in your favor, but money can mitigate a lot of stuff for you. I can't I can't understate the fact that access to capital gives you um political power it gives you financial stability it gives you uh in america since uh even your healthcare is tied to your economic output or uh income i should say so class is one of those things that can just take your life and like if it was already difficult because you are gay or black or some combination thereof then if you're if at least if you're rich you don't have to suffer you know certain uh humiliations uh that someone who has less money would be forced to suffer uh and that is that is the most politically correct way that I can put that without going into more detail. What if, just to follow up, what about middle class? Does that play a role too? Like, yes. Yes, no, it definitely does because, okay, so let's put it like this. So me as a gay black man, it is easier probably for me as long as I and I'm doing air quotations, follow certain rules. It's probably easier for me to get a, a job, middle-class job and make a certain amount, get health insurance and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if anybody here has kind of watched the show Pose on FX. If you haven't, I would suggest that you take a, uh, take a look at the show Pose. But like, if you're like a if you're like somebody who's planning to transition from one gender to another gender and you like and you don't have the funds to do that yet but you're just like dipping your toe in that water like trying to come to terms with your um your gender expression life can be a lot harder for you if you don't have the money to uh actually do the certain things to make you appear like the gender that you feel as you're trying to go throughout the world but you have a masculine presenting body even though you feel as though that you're a female like there, there's a whole bunch of things that come with just being able to have the money to do something like that 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 important and so it is imperative to you know have a certain class stand uh standing in order just to be able to live life without obstruction i hope that makes sense because i'm looking at everybody's faces and i'm getting blank stares but like it, like in order you know just being middle class affords you the ability to do this or that like you might not be able to do the full do the full transition in the time frame that you would like to if you're middle class if you're rich you can set up the time frame that you want to transition and do it as fast as you would as you would like or as medically uh possible um 
But if you're if you're not even middle class, if you're you know, if you're say you are having to do sex work in order to afford just to eat and live, there's no that brings difficulties with healthcare. That brings difficulties with you know transitioning. That brings so many difficulties. Just not having money so that's the type of stuff that i'm talking about when i say that class is really important to just living life unobstructed awesome thank you joe thank you it's open to the floor um especially anybody that um thinks about working class people who are gay on the job versus middle class and upper class it's open to the floor uh, but go go right ahead you go first. Thank you. Um, thank you, uh, Joe Black. This kind of lit a fire in me. Uh, as I previously, uh, previously mentioned, I do a lot of local advocacy work and a lot of uh, political works. I've worked on two senatorial campaigns, which has caused me to work with City Hall. I've even worked on a small little group that, got, that helped get conversion therapy banned in Rhode Island. So uh, I like to refer to these people as um, Ben Shapiro or Blair White types. Um, during my time fighting for equal rights for the LGBTQIA plus community, I have come to a distinct conclusion, a hypothesis, if you would. Having money supersedes your identity to the community. I have dealt with many uh, gay men and trans, uh, trans women who will further cannibalize our brothers and sisters for their own benefits because they can pass. They have the money to avoid being in certain situations. They have the money to trans uh, transition quickly. And because of that, they do not care what happens to the rest of us. Uh, I will avoid uh, naming names, but I had one such man who was a gay black man who had, a, who came from old money, who told me that he doesn't care if he loses the right to get married because he can afford to move to a country where it's legal. And because of that, he has no problem backing the Republican Party, despite the fact that in the 2020 election that they still ran a restored traditional marriage to the country, traditional marriage to our country. I have dealt with trans women who have stone cold face told me that they do not consider themselves trans. And if they and I'm sorry, I, I this this boils my blood who have let it out, let it out. to uh, who. So at the meeting, we had two trans women. Uh, one with money who was able to transition quickly and one being a, a younger child who did not and was doing what they could to transition and to better identify themselves. And this woman had the audacity to tell the other one that she wasn't a real trans woman because she didn't fully commit to the transition. Like, you're blessed to have the money you have to do this. You're blessed to be in a position where you, where you can survive and you have the privilege to do this. You're blessed to be in a position where your rights where you can afford to sacrifice some rights for your monetary gain. And for you to have the audacity to come at another person with less fortunate than you is completely, uh, completely unacceptable. And it seems to be normalized in the gay community. All right, Pride, uh, during the 2016 elections and leading up to this recent election, with the exception of the pandemic, we had twinks for Trumps who, are, who, who like ran on a policy of the Republican Party will defend the gay community. We don't need marriage because it's a religious ceremony, completely ignoring the fact of tax benefits you get from being a married couple. Just like, oh, you know, if you have money, you don't need to get married. You just like just live together. You, you don't need this. There are so many people who will sell the, our community, so many members of our community who will sell us to Satan for a corn chip because they have a little bit of green. And it's completely unacceptable. And as a community, we need to identify that because I feel like these people get a pass because they, 
they have this this disposable income furthermore it, it kills me to see that these people are influencers in our community dave rubin a man who has had three openly homophobic people on his show i can stand this man nowhere is defending their positions people who have told him that if they were out in public they wouldn't speak to him because he's gay because he's married to a man and he's defending them because he comes from from a high class family because his husband works in hollywood we have people like blair white who has actively actively spread mis misinformation about her own community to make herself seem like one of the good one of the good trans people one of the uncle toms of the trans community because she has the money to present as a female who who lords that over the people with lower income this the sheer amount of i don't care what happens to my to my less fortunate brothers and sisters because i have a little bit of green it needs to be addressed and it needs to be put down i want to get off a little soapbox otherwise we're going to be here for a while this this mm. oh it's preach 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 because like honestly this is this is why a lot of people okay so for people I'm going to give a contemporary version of this for people who might be outside the community listening to this. There's a reason why a lot of LGBT uh, folks don't mess with Caitlyn Jenner. And this is why. This is exactly why. Because even though Caitlyn Jenner was a whole Olympic athlete as a man, she made her transition. And she, as soon as she makes her transition, you know, she's a Jenner slash Kardashian. So she has money and she just acts like she, she gives the full Mariah Carey treatment. Like, I don't know him, like, you know, to the, to the LGBT community. And so, yeah, um, you're preaching, you're, you're keep preaching, Valentino, keep preaching. Uh, this is nuance. I have one bone to pick with you, Valentino. It ain't uncle Tom it's uncle Ruckus. No relation. <laughs> <laughs> but Uncle Tom was a hero. <laughs> Uncle Tom was a hero. That's they stole that. They gentrified and appropriated Uncle Tom. He was a hero. Even when he was a slave, he still did what was right. And that's what started the Civil War by Harriet Beecher Stowe and Abraham Lincoln listened to her and Frederick Douglass and they pushed them to say, All right, we gotta get rid of the slave. So Uncle Tom is a hero. It's Uncle Ruckus, no relationship. Taking it back. <laughs> Clarity here. Thank you. <laughs> that cannot. was great. That was Joe like, Black here. I cannot with neither <laughs> with neither clarity or nuance right now. I can't. I am deceased. I am. Ugh. Yes, it is still open before we got about a minute left on this question. Then we'll move on to the next one. But thank you for all sharing those because this is again, this is topics that we don't address. And I'm learning to keep checking myself when it comes to the world of activism to make sure to include class when it comes to these descriptions and these discussions, because a lot of times, again, no community is a monolith. But like you've all touched heavily on is when you do have money, you do also have power. And oftentimes the way that our system is set up, people move up the ranks. A person could be a black trans woman who has a lot of money, but if that black trans woman who has a lot of money completely negates all these different communities simultaneously yeah it, it, it's kind of a kind of a shitty move so yes holding people accountable is highly important and being able to address yes you yourself may be from a marginal alliance community but that does not give you the right to be like, yeah, I'm gonna sign this bill that basically like screws all these people who are in my own community. It doesn't give you that right. I'm sorry, it, it doesn't. It's it's it goes beyond 
being a marginalized person that becomes anti-human point blank it's an anti-human belief thank you all for sharing it again we got about a minute left it is open to the floor yeah you guys nailed it i think um not a lot i can add to that one thing i do also think of is the, uh, the communities in the neighborhoods, those more affluent areas and how they are then potentially more welcoming for people and those accesses availability of access to these things are also more available it's kind of just a a, a slight different level of it but the exact same thing because money solves so many problems and we need to we do need to call people out and uh, call out the whole close the door behind me mentality because it's it's very destructive uh it's Shin Hu young so i'm just gonna hop on and yeah i definitely think that what we just covered was a lot to digest um till black uh the phrase you said that america is a capitalist country really resonated with me and it made me think of nuance when he called me out and it's like you know this is beyond our community it's america itself that if you got money and you know the right people uh you can dominate and it's very unfortunate to see uh like valentino said cannibalism happening within our own community and people just doing what they want for their selfish reasons and just not thinking about how the consequences of their actions cause a ripple a butterfly effect and it does need to be addressed so well, yeah that's the that's the thing about uh class in america is that it's so intertwined with other identities so like class gets um uh it's so intertwined that we actually have so many shorthands to reference it without actually referencing um uh, to referencing kind of it directly so like if i were to go and say that hey um i want to buy a home but i, I want something you know or i don't want to live in an, a more urban neighborhood everybody knows what i'm talking about i don't have to you know reference that i'm not looking to stay in a black or mixed race neighborhood i can just say urban uh it's 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 so pernicious and it's not just a, it's not just a problem in the lgbt community it's a problem you know more generally in a capitalistic society but since we're here like it, it is something that just is a problem that fighting has to be constant but also it is tiring to do that work so often so much every day all day you know would you say that's relative to systematic racism though or yeah, similar yes it, yes yes it is it is a portion of it yes it, it it is um but again because you know because we're talking about pretty much uh sexuality it, 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 it i decided not to go that route with you know with that talk but yes it is a portion of I, I um, see. Uh, yeah of institutionalized racism so yeah i was gonna just say like okay um, that actually opened the doors for our next question um we got two more questions after this one um and again thank you all for being open and honest and vulnerable on this episode and being blunt 
this is not a filtered show. So that being said, um, our next question is exactly what we're talking about. How does race play a role in the issues within the LGBTQIA community? And I'm going to direct this one to Shin Hu Young, and then it is open to the floor. Actually, I'm because I want to continue sharing your stance on this um, before I before I say something. Because really, I want I'm excited for question seven. But Teal Black, could you continue to expand on um, what I addressed? What, what was relative to systematic? Okay, so. So there are various different okay uh, systems at play that affect the LGBTQIA plus community, and most of a lot of those were brought to light pretty much during the late eighties, early nineties, with the onset of the AIDS crisis. We saw how politicians wielded their powers and wielded systems to deny access to health care in light of this new, you know, disease, and started forming policies around the of the LGBTQIA plus community. Now, you layer that on, if you take the time to layer that uh, with uh, people who have multiple identities, so someone who might be uh, black and gay or uh, Asian and female and lesbian, like there, there are multiple layers and multiple systems working together to, you know, oppress a person in you know different ways just even trying to talk about them intelligently is work to you know be educated enough to peel back those layers for everybody to see and then trying to take on the task of untangling this mess is even more and then after you untangle it trying to find a solution for it that you know there there has to be for the even the smallest problem like that there has to be a lot of education, political will, and power behind you. And in order to get all three of those, you have to have, in a capitalistic society, money. You know, Joe? I, I totally agree with you on that. That was so well said. So I want that to be heard. All the snaps. All right. Yeah, I just wanted to say, Joe, I think what you, come, you what you mentioned comes to mind, especially when you talk about class. It seems like class is like the common thread through all the needles of identity that have threads that are tangled already in themselves. So that's just my comment. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, so what was the original question? Yeah, the, the original question was, how does race play a role in the issues within the community? I just kind of um, summarize that. And so I, for me, I wrote down stereotypes and systematic racism, and I was trying to think of how to expand on that. But I feel like you and Valentino just kind of tore it up because I believe that five and six are very intertwined. So the two questions about class and then about race and how does that affect our community issues? And I think that we just went over that really well because it's hard to differentiate the two when it's capital, race, and privilege. Where are you in those three categories really depends, will we'll really um, define what will happen. And it's unfortunate to see the lack of humanity, the lack of unity, um, 
and a lack of consistency just all across the board in our community and outside of our community. And so I just want to throw that out there is that, you know, you guys did such a great job explaining that. I don't even know where to begin, but that's where I would say this is a huge issue, I guess, for me and just a lot of things that are happening right now considering the pandemic we've been in, considering the whiplash we've been dealing with for the past couple of years. Um, the Trump administration put us through fucking hell. Like, I just really want to see consistency right now. Well, let me just say, there has been a consistent thread throughout all of the United States history. Um, the consistent thread is that white maleness is the prize is is the uh, thing right. that's elevator right. and i say this not wanting to I, I am not condemning anybody just for being white or being male like so don't misconstrue my words here but on a historic on a systemic level being a white landowner has been the goal of this society. It's what the society was built to promote. Um, if you know when when the when we established when we started rebelling, even though even though a black man, Crispus Attucks, was the first person to die for independence, the whole system has been built to make sure that white landowners were the ones who could have will have and will political power gain economic opportunity and subdue this land even though this land had was full of people native americans here you know it that the power to rule this land was not they were not considered when they were doling out power to rule so that guiding principle of our founding fathers has not gone away it it has shifted and molded and transformed to fit whatever box it needed to fit in so in in the lgbt box uh you like i said you see that you know on profiles it manifests itself in you know the whole no fats no films no uh blacks Lat latins or uh, asians like that's promoting you know uh promoting that narrative in other spaces you know you see it uh manifest itself differently but that's been the common thread now doing the work to get to a more equitable place you know is hard but it can it, it is possible you know it 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 was a long hard fight for women to get the right to vote for you know black people to vote like there have been we have had those fights and those steps along the way and we're getting toward a more equitable situation we're not there yet but recognizing that the consistent thread throughout all of american history is what the founding fathers said like we want white landowners to be able to you know have the power here and to that to this day it pretty much still holds true now the uh definition of what is white has changed to accommodate more people when it when it became obvious that hey we're about to have a country of more colored people than us then we started letting italians and we started letting irish people become white because when they first came over to the country they weren't considered white american history has 
again, like I said, has molded and transformed and uh, adopted other uh, adopted them in. So like it's knowing that that's the thread, it makes it easier to kind of know where to proceed from here to get to something that's more equitable for everybody who lives here. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. And uh, we're going to move on now to question number seven. What substantive changes do you want to see by the next year's Pride Month? And what are the necessary applicable steps? And uh, we're going to start with Michael and go to Jen. I think off the top of my head, something I'd like to see, I know I've heard mentioned. Okay, first of all, I haven't had the privilege of actually being to a Pride Parade in my life yet. Um, but I know police presence is a big issue there. And this isn't a huge thing, but I think it, it, it with intersectionality, it's not a small thing either. Because of the history of it, having police there is kind of an issue for a lot of people. And it would be nice to see police not there because as, as Joe mentioned earlier, with with riots and the way things are perceived, another example is how when there are police presence at different kinds of protests, it usually is potentially problematic. But in this specific thing, I think that'd be nice. I think that's implementable through, uh, it would be a small, like through, um, city council type thing i'm not quite sure i'm still learning about how to like do city council stuff but that that's a small example i have off the top of my head excellent thank you uh, shin what are your thoughts on number seven question number seven sure i've been seeing a trend through the years um and more recently, though, is people calling out businesses and corporations who use Pride Month as an opportunity for capitalist gain. So someone that I've really been enjoying was a state rep, um, Jayapal, on her Twitter page. She has been just calling out these businesses and one of them is Raytheon, a defense truck contractor. She put them on blast after they, I want to make sure I get the number right. They switched oh, their logo over to a rainbow. And she was just like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. Well, you guys put $18,500 towards Mitch McConnell's campaign when he was actively working to block the Equality Act. And then if you ever wondered what AT&T values the LGBT plus rights. It's $56,295, to which they also donated that money to Mitch McConnell's Anti-Equality Act campaign. And the list will go on, like you see with Chick-fil-A. I've been seeing it on my meme pages. I've been seeing it everywhere. And it's just, at some point, we got to get past the label shit. You know, just because you put a rainbow and I have a gay cousin, so I know what you're going through. Oh. It's oh. like you you can't you can't do that. You got to do your research and you got to understand where your place is. It doesn't mean you can't be an ally, but if you're what was it? Chick-fil-A. So 
they made a statement that they're pro-gay and they're doing nothing, but then the owner of Chick-fil-A is taking his own money and putting it towards all these anti-trans bills right now. So Chick-fil-A may not be doing it, but the owner with his own personal money is, you know? So if you guys want me to send you the info on that, I'd be more than willing, but Rep J. Paul, she, um, on her Twitter, that's where you can find all that. But what I would like to see more, taking this further, people, please shop small. There are so many LGBTQ plus small businesses that would super appreciate your support because it goes back into economics. They can't sell stuff if you're not buying it. And I think something homemade means a lot better than a corporation putting it through a factory and putting a price tag just, and then you buy it just because it has a rainbow on it. Fuck that. Sorry. Okay. So I'm complete. I'm done. Clarity here. Absolutely. And you hit it on the head right there. That was excellent. And, um, yeah, I, I, this is still open to the floor. I just wanted to throw my two cents in before I forget it, knowing myself. Um, but yeah, I definitely fully agree where it's like, there's nothing wrong with any company wanting to be an ally. But the problem is, is, is that support helping or hurting the community? I've seen, when I was going to school, I went to my back, my, my back studies were in advertising and marketing. And we, we, focused heavily on media and identity in one of my classes because it was a media and identity class and that was something that they actually addressed was things like for example with breast cancer awareness month changing the color of the box doesn't actually help anything like when we were talking about i think we were specifically speaking about pizza companies when they do that it's like again nothing wrong with saying like we want to support but where's the money and you need that receipt because changing the color of the box really doesn't do anything. So same thing with, like we were saying, if a company out there is like a multi-billion dollar company and they're like, we're gonna put this rainbow flag on there. Okay, where's the sustenance behind it? Oh, well, our company donates to this. We have equal opportunity benefits for our LGBT members. We have this. If you got the receipts, then I'm all for it. But if you're putting it up there to be like, look, colors, we're so diverse, it's like, just go get a stock image because that's that's basically what you're doing. You're just filling in the, the blanks with stock images. You're not doing anything for the community. So thank you for addressing that. And again, if you do have links, please include them in the chat. Um, we can put the in the um, description box. If you have LGBT owned businesses that you recommend, put that in the box. We need to get that stuff out there. So again, uh, thank you for addressing that. And it is still open to the floor. I just want to, I just want, I, I, I'm, I am sorry to be the negative Nancy. I, I really don't want to be this guy, but, um, so here's the thing about, um, I believe they call it pride washing or rainbow washing or something like companies. You have to make sure to do homework because what a lot of companies are doing now is you're right uh clarity they are you know doing the pink box or the rainbow box and they'll say we'll donate you know twenty thousand dollars to the uh, i don't know act up um insert lgbt political organization here right uh but the the perniciousness in that business model is that it is very easy to 
obfuscate the real harm that's being done uh, by uh, with those donations. And the perfect example is I'm going to take it out of the realm of LGBT and I'm going to take it to the realm of like uh, Black Lives Matter and what the NFL did while Colin Kaepernick was, you know, kneeling and, you know, bringing all sides of awareness, you know, in order to try, try to silence him and quiet down what he was trying to bring attention to they're just like oh okay we will we will donate a portion of you know some of our proceeds of this type of jersey or whatnot to uh this political organization right but then they still had certain uh they still within their corporate policy were doing things like race norming in the medical field so when football players would retire they would uh not be able to get certain um certain benefits medically for having all those concussions they were still doing a whole bunch of racist shit in-house but they did do the donation and they made a big show of, hey, look at us. We're donating all of this money because, you know, because Colin Kaepernick really brought to light our problems. So let's donate this money. But they never actually took the time to, de you know, start stop doing the racist shit that they were doing inside their own house. It was just kind of just like, see this money? We care. Look at the money. Don't look at us. Look at the money. Look, look, look. See? See? So that's a perniciousness that you have to watch out with when people pride wash stuff. And a lot of companies do. That's exactly what they do. They will slap a rainbow on. They will give some money to an organization. But ask them about having paid paid medical benefits for a gay couple who wants to have a child via a surrogate something like that something that's you know really important to a gay couple maybe not so much to like a straight couple so like that that doing the homework of that and calling that stuff out that's important i also before we we leave the, the only other thing that i want to see that's better uh for next year's pride is can we not have a debate about whether kink belongs in pride because that's that's a conversation that's going on right now that like Pride and kink are kind of like, cause you have to remember drag queens back when Stonewall hit were considered like a kinky thing. So pride and kink are connected. And so uh, there have been a lot of talk about like, since we have all of these corporate influences coming into pride, let's uh, make pride family friendly. However, that's why I made a super big point about saying that, you know, pride has and always been, has been and always is a protest. So like, yes, you can bring a child to a protest, but you know, when you bring a child to a protest, there's always the possibility of stuff going sideways. When teenagers, you know, came to the civil rights protest, they, they knew that, you know, police might've sick dogs on them. They knew, you know, they knew the dangers. So when we have conversations about, you know, family friendly pride, just remember, it's a protest. It, it looks like a parade. It looks like a party and a parade, but it is a protest. And whenever you bring children to a protest, there's always the thing of danger. So like, don't quote the think of the children uh, argument when you talk about uh, family friendly pride. I would like to see that conversation just go somewhere and die. Not just children though, because my parents came to my pride event last weekend or the weekend before, and they were really upset about a drag queen that was on stage. 
And even a couple of my friends that came, they're really upset about the drag queen that was on stage. And it was her stand-up comedy where she was talking about she wanted to bag the bag boy. And I told them, I said, okay, you can't say that because this pride is a protest. So let's just eliminate the family-friendly part because I think that we can't have family-friendly events in the name of pride, but we cannot use pride events as a family-friendly space because we deserve to be heard and we need these we need these activities to amplify and uplift voices that are not heard or being refused to be heard. So I just wanted to agree. Hey man, yeah. <laughs> oh, Valentino? So I've, I've, been, I've been bouncing along. I've been like, this, this is good. This is good. Sorry. <laughs> um, sorry, I, I, thoughts are all over the place. Um, I agree with King Get Pride. Uh, I also agree. It's like, oh, my, okay. So here at Rhode Island, we quote unquote compromised. I, I guess we, we say before I give my actual point where we have um, the main tribe parade, which is considered like a full on protest. However, to the side, we have an area for like LGBT youth and parents with kids, but they're considered two completely separate events. You have the Pride Parade. Um, actually, it's really three uh, three separate events. We have the 21 plus crowd, which is just part the party section. We have the section strictly for like family focused events. And then we have like the traditional Pride protest, which I would love to see implemented because Pride is a, f- it is a protest and people need to accept that. And I understand wanting to have a family, uh, family, you know, focused area, but it should be an area. It shouldn't take over the whole message of the protest. Um, which is why I really have, like how we do it in Rhode Island. I really like, because I personally like bringing my little sister over to the, um, well, I would like to once I'm able to bring her over because she's been dying to go to a private event with me. But um, when I go with my friends, they bring their younger Aww. siblings to the, to the little craft area. So like, oh, buy these shirts, here's some snacks, here's some cupcakes and surprise stuff. And then like they bring them home and then we go to the actual protest and we go rally and we go, woo. And, we, and that's what we do. And I feel like this is a conversation that doesn't need to be had because there are solutions to it that we can easily implement. This shouldn't be like a king versus praying. This is a protest versus what is safe for the children. I also can't stand the whole what about the children argument because that was used to defend segregation. That was used to just to justify eugenics. Like, oh, you know, that was used for the bathroom them, which like, oh, you can't have like you say you can't have uh, gender fair bathrooms. I, I never understood the entire part of the argument in my old neighborhood back in Mass. We had family uh, family friendly bathrooms. I had both a song in the urinal. I never understood the point of that argument because it's like the most asinine thing out there. These people are really just making mountains out of mountains. But like, unnecessary tangent, but like, I, I just want to get my point because like, pride is a protest. It, it's a protest. And you can have a protest alongside a family event as alongside the parties. You you just don't have to merge all three of them into the same thing. Just separate them. Boom. Or if, and if you really have to, just throw them all into the same banner of pride. They're, they're, they should be treated as separate events because they are separate events for separate crowds. However, what I did want to point out in regards to uh, what I would like to see changed at Pride next year is I would like to see the corporations who actually put the money where their mouth are do more for these events. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a small content creator. I do uh, streaming on the side. And one of the companies 
whose games I promote is Wizards of the Coast. And over the course of the past few years, they have become, they really started to put the money where their mouth are, going as far as to affect their own sales by denying anything to have to do. So uh, I play Magic the Gathering. I stream it, I read the books, I love the lore of the world. And they flat out said that they will no longer be selling novels to China and Russia so that they can write the stories that they want they want to have LGBT characters. They recently introduced a non-binary, like several non-binary characters. They have a, a very popular trans character. They go like, we want to write the, the stories for these people. And because of that, we're going back to free stories. So it's not behind a paywall. And these stories will not be accessible from China and Russia. Yes. And the reason why I did this is because people called them out and held their feet to the fire. A few years ago, they had a story which completely delegitimized and, and undid years of a slow-born romance between a pansexual character and pretty sure she uh, a lesbian uh, LGBT character and they made and they retconned it because one of the characters is in their own series and people called them out because at the time they were also doing pride shirts they were doing pride events they were donating and the moment they have their feet held to, uh, to the fire they apologized and they said this was a mistake. This will not happen again. And we will stand by the members of a community. And they, they even stepped it up. Like last year, they did a, a massive proceed for um, Women's International Day where they released a product and 50% of the proceeds went to that. And they, they put everything, they laid out everything on the table. Uh, they've been, they just did one for Black Girls Code, a UK, um, a UK organization. And they started to do this because their customers held them to, the, they called them out. And I think we need to have that energy. I'm not going to lie. I kind of enjoy rainbow capitalism, not to partake into it and part, partake into it, but rather the fact that it means corporations are comfortable enough with our existence that they believe that they can make a profit off of us, meaning that we're somewhat socially acceptable. And I think we should use that power to see how much we can push them. I say, oh, you want to make a profit off of us? Let's see what, let's see what us, um, instead of us jumping through your hoop, let's give you hoops to jump through. Uh, let's hold you accountable for your actions. Let's see you address these controversies. Like, I would love to see people hold um, Chick-fil-A, like hold them up and make them pay back what they did and all the, and make them explain everything that they have done and make sure that they, they, they know that this is not going to fly, that they can't get away with this. I think we should take our market ability and use that to force these corporations to address their sins of the past and force them to address what they have to do to change them. However, I also feel like totally by love. Chick-fil-A isn't even that good, people. It's Why not. You eat it's it? not. It's nasty. Why? It's <laughs> funny. I haven't people had a Chick-fil-A. Oh my God. I gotta throw it up there. When I hear Karen start say like, what about the children? I just got to throw that out there. I'm triggered. It's like, well, what about the children? Shut up, Karen. Stop eating Chick-fil-A. No, I've never had it. I'm glad. Oh my God. Oh my God. I had it. I was disappointed. I'm like the hype. Y'all white people need to shut up and get some real chicken. God damn. <laughs> it's worse than Popeyes. Yeah, I make, I make my oh. own chicken. Yeah. Yeah, make your own. It tastes way better. It but does. Popeyes oh. is good. And like a lot, a lot of spices. Just gonna say. Way oh, more than 11. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Absolutely. Valentino? Um, 
uh, sir, uh, I need to talk to you like after this podcast because there's a whole I have a whole D and D character from uh, Ravnica that like. I did not know anything about the lore of the Is It League before I started playing them. And I, like, we will talk after this. <laughs> I, I, I just want to throw it out there as well. I know Nuance, you have something you want to say, and then we're going to move to our very last question. But when you mentioned about Chick-fil-A, there was a joke I heard recently from somebody. We had a Chick-fil-A just recently open up near where I live, like maybe about 20 some minutes from here. And it, it was insane. The parking lot was so packed like there were lines from every entrance into this little plaza for this 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 freaking like out like to go place i've had chick-fil-a it's decent but it's not the best and somebody made the joke that they're like yeah in the amount of time that you would go from point a from just getting into the plaza you would have enough time to go buy a chicken make it have leftovers and then come back and still have like two hours to get to the ordering that's how backed up this thing was there's like a freaking cult following over chick-fil-a i'm a little bit biased i would say i admire the uh the the kind of jokey cult following around jollybee in the filipino community stick with that not chick-fil-a there's there's no reason for this weird cult following but nuance i know you have something to say and then we're going to close out this episode with question number eight all right i i i just want to say i thoroughly enjoyed everybody and learned a lot um first and foremost i want to say protests are family events. and i say this as someone who's a black american um protests are family events because it's it's the way it's the reason why you're fighting it's for family you know and and just from coming from that tradition i know joe black being a black gay man you understand that so we have to redefine the premise which is the whole purpose of this show of what family is and what we look at it because even on a government level it's like a family is a man a woman and children before we even get into sexuality if you lose both your parents the government doesn't recognize if you're brothers and you're raising your you know your family or if you got an uncle or you got an aunt what about grandma or what if the only people in your life are your friends same sex opposite sex virgin or whatever and y'all support each other are y'all not family so i want to say that speak on it speak because that's that that is what houses and ball like that's the whole concept of a yeah. house uh yeah. where, where from from ball culture is that yes speak on it and for all the christians didn't paul call timothy his son that's all i got to say all right and they weren't even related so secondly i wanted to raise the trans community before that somebody brought up raytheon yeah, hold them accountable. Stop bombing poor country, brown countries with gay people in them with a rainbow on it. That ain't, that ain't Rag progressive. Rag that ain't progressive. All right, so y'all need to quit because <laughs> it being with a rainbow don't make it less of a war cry. <laughs> I do agree with Valentino with holding companies accountable and using that leverage. But let's remember, the Koch brothers donated to the United Negro Foundation, and they sponsor all these repressive bills because unmind is a terrible thing to waste. And as we know, Joe, if you control the black mind, you can control the black behind. But my point about the trans community, that's what I want to see change the most. I am sick of all these sports stuff. And some of them brought up Caitlyn Jenner and how you going to be an Olympian and then be trans and be against it. And I was in a conversation with someone very close to me, and I met her brother and her brother is trans, and she was also married to someone who was trans as well, um, but didn't know they were, and then they, the relationship got better over time, 
Once they transitioned and they created kids together, her husband, all that. And she recently passed away this year. Shout out to Alice. Um, make sure make sure rest in peace. And the most discriminated athlete in sports has been Serena and Venus Williams. And growing up, they were called men for how strong they were. And I understand people like Joe Rogan who are into martial arts. I've done it too. You know, weight, time, speed, equals force. But the fact of the matter is these sports were made for everybody, even among the cisgender. Because if you look at all the different body types, they don't include all women. So how is it that the Olympics can get this and understand that there's different body types and a trans woman, you know, that's done the, 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 the requirements to participate in the sport, it's not unfair. If you got an issue on the high school and college level, maybe you need to be more inclusive in the first place. Maybe you need more weight classes because we base our whole idea of what a skeletal structure is on some white guy back in Europe. And even among white people, there's different skulls and different bone structures. So we need to reevaluate everything. And I'm just kind of sick of just beating up on trans people altogether. I think it's just gross. It's just, it's just, it's just gross. People are just trying to be who they are. And I just, I know we weren't, we weren't fortunate to have someone from the trans community here, but I just use that as an example of if black cisgender women can be treated like men and they're women, and then you have transgender women who have the same bone structure, same muscle structure, then what's the issue here? Maybe you just need to honestly open the board up. Here. The issue, the, the issue is just uh, people wanting to uh, use pseudoscience to um, uphold their their discriminatory beliefs. It's it's the issue is not with the, the people who are being discriminated against. It's with the people who are doing the discriminating. Um, and I thank thank you for speaking on like the discrimination that both people, athletes, trans athletes get, and also the discrimination that just black women generally get um, who not, are not even trans, because you're right, Serena and Venus Williams, like they have had to suffer, like that's a common um, criticism that is held against black women in general is that they are mannish, that they, you know, and things of that nature. So thank you for speaking on both of those. Yeah, so. So thank you. And I just want to move to question number eight. Thank you for your time. We want to respect everybody's time. Um, describe your feelings with sharing your experiences and perspectives today. And name one thing that someone else said today that touched you. And uh, we'll start with Michael. Okay. <clears throat> this is Michael. Um, this has been a really wonderful experience. It was, I was a bit nervous talking in front of people and um, whatnot, but that kind of faded away. I really enjoyed hearing and learning a lot of things that I haven't necessarily thought of myself. So that's, that's, that's what being human is about is these types of interactions and what we're doing is so important to help really teach people and advocate for these causes for, for the transgendered communities, for everyone that's marginalized. Um, the thing that really stuck out to me today, I actually had to write it down so I didn't forget because I have a, a great memory, right? Um, Shin Hu Young, it was what you said. Uh, don't, you don't have the privilege to just tolerate me. That, that was very, very moving. And 
while I've also been thinking about watermelon and mustard, this whole thing, uh, I'm going to have to try that. I, I'm not a big watermelon fan, but I still, I have some growing in my yard. So yeah, um, it's, this has been great. It's been, it's been fun. And I really, I'm really, I feel grateful to be a part of this and, and, and thank you all for, for sharing your experiences. Thank you, Michael. That was incredibly sweet. Thank you. We we should definitely uh, somehow all get connected on social media some way, somehow, because I would love to see everyone try watermelon and mustard together. And let me know what you think. Uh, oh, waste yeah, anyone's baby. time. Real quick, real quick, real quick. When you try it, you're going to be in your head. Why am I still eating this? Why can I not stop? And what is happening in my mouth? It's like a gay experience, not expect in the best way. And this, this is not perversing. This is not perverting watermelon. This is not saying that watermelon isn't good by itself, but put some sriracha, put mustard on it. You're going to be living a whole new life, y'all. Okay? Happy I'm Pride. Tapatio and oranges. And I'm going to tell my wife. And I'm going to give you her response. Because I do. Do, do, do. Yeah. Should I TikTok this? You. Should I TikTok this watermelon and mustard experience? Yeah, check out Lizzo. That's where I got it from. And I had the same face as she did. I was like, wait, hold up. <laughs> mustard. <laughs> I was, I ate, I don't know how many bowls um, of my watermelon trying to figure it out. And I still don't know how I feel about it. That's my honest. But really quick, thank you, Michael. That was really sweet. I guess I'm just going to go next. Um, a kind of piggybacking off like Michael said, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I feel incredibly privileged to be sitting here and just soaking it all in. Um, I got to say, Valentino and Joe Black, you guys, man, I so much love to you guys. Valentino, your dating experience with that guy had me floored um and it made me sad because i could relate um i've been told that i don't look that asian by white men and i i i can't even so when you were talking about your dating experience it hit me in a very personal place so thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that with me um and joe black just your wisdom and your words and just everything about what you're saying i really vibed with it and i'm glad that you're vibing with me as well so thank you for opening that up but really quick shout out to nuance and clarity for creating the safe space amplifying our voices and allowing us to be candid and speak free on a tough topic it's been a joy so i'm complete thank you our pleasure thank you uh, I think I will go next and um, yeah I really just want to say yeah I, I'm going to actually piggyback off of uh, what Shin said uh, because uh, Valentino when you uh, describe kind of your dating experience dear God I like that that was moving that I, I'm sorry that you had to go through that um man um but 
I thank you that you took the time to share that with us and have been, you know, an advocate ever since. So, you know, uh, like, uh, thank you for taking the time to be vulnerable and share that story. And thank you for taking the time since then to do the work and, you know, make sure that that doesn't happen to the next young Afro Latinx person that comes behind you. You're not out here, Caitlyn Jennering in these streets. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, when it first happened, I wasn't sad. I was furious that I let it get to that point. Uh, I feel like a lot of people will let dark and edgy humor where the punchline is either racism or homophobia get people to let people get away with that. Um, honestly, like, I, I, I feel bad for not calling it out as soon as I first thought that is this person potentially racist. Um, since then, um, I was motivated to do more work. Um, my great-grandparents uh, survived the human rights movement. Uh, and all they wanted us to do is to be good people and help out other people. Um, and I took that lesson hard. Um, that experience is what pushed me to follow their guide, uh, their, I guess, not their legacy, but what they pushed us to do. And it motivated me to do what I can to make sure that the future members of the LGB, LGBTQIA plus community do not have to experience what I have gone through in any regard. It was a wake-up call because for years I thought that the gay community was very accepting. That no matter what happened, that we would be there for each other because we all had the shared experience of homophobia. Um, clearly, there are other issues with that. But I'm honestly thankful that it happened because it pushed me to do more political work. It pushed me to find circles where I can help do what I can to help my brothers and sisters in this community. I am currently at school at Arizona State trying to get a degree so that I can better be, an, be a better advocate. I want to serve either as a counselor or as a therapist to members of the LGBTQIA community to make sure that they have somebody to turn to discuss these situations with, whether it's uh, growing up in a homophobic household or dealing with a partner who you thought respected you turned out to either be a closeted homophobe because we do have gay men who are homophobic to their partners or a closeted racist. I believe that as I need to do my part to make sure that everybody in this community has support. Uh, and though I have kind of stepped away from taking an active role in politics, I have more focused uh, on personal interactions with the LGBT, uh, LGBTQIA plus people in my immediate vicinity. I've been doing what I can to address uh, some transphobia uh, in my workplace. I have been doing what I can to, ex to address some homophobia in my workplace. I have done what I can to make sure that anybody I interact with who's part of our community knows that they are loved, supported, and anything that they face are, will not be tolerated anymore, that won't be tolerated, or that I have to badly go through. Um, I really thank you guys, uh, Clarity and Nuance, for having me on. I can discuss, uh, talk about my experiences and pop off a little bit. Um, and I also thank you guys for dealing with my rambling because uh, I was trying to like whip up when I was on the floor. <laughs> well, Meredith was here and she was on the chair. I was on the floor kind of trying to like outline my notes real quick and it flopped. Uh, thank you for everything. Absolutely. Thank you again. And we're going to wrap it up here um, with our outro. But again, thank you all for coming on to our show today and taking the time out of this day to helping us kick off season two with this very, very powerful episode. Every single one of you. 
Um, so Nuance, would you like to start out our outro? Yeah, and I just want to say thank you for everyone participating today. Y'all, y'all put y'all ankles in this show for real. Y'all, all the all this cooking, it was good soul food that y'all cooked up t- today. So uh, we appreciate you and honored to have all of you and uh, for sharing your perspectives and your opinions. And thank you for just being very vulnerable, especially you, Valentino. And I just hope that you know, even though that happened, so you forgive yourself because you know you didn't know, but now you know, and you're, you're better for it, and you're doing good. And this is how we move forward as a society, having uncomfortable conversations, but getting comfortable doing it. And uh, Clarity, would you like to say anything? Um, so we'd like to say thank you to Shinhu Young, Michael, Joe Black, Meredith, and Valentino. Um, I know Meredith has to jump off um, a little bit earlier, but we wanted to say thank you so much to every single one of you for taking the time out, for jumping on, saying your honest, raw, unfiltered views. That's the point of this podcast so thank you so much if you found something that our host mentioned that was unfactual please do contact or comment on our social media pages you can find us on our facebook twitter instagram or reach out to us directly through our email that is the number three rd third paradigm podcast at gmail.com and again that's the number three rd paradigm podcast at gmail.com again please like share subscribe in our description box below and listen to us wherever you listen to our podcast this particular episode will be released on june 30th perfect timing for both pride month in the united states for june and in the uk in july so right in the middle of both pride months so again thank you everyone for taking the time out to coming on to the show today and for expressing your perspectives and views and being so open so thank you again thank you thank you very much have a good day thank you it's been a privilege it's been fun have a nice one see you again This episode of the Third Paradigm Podcast was hosted by Clarity and Nuance. Original artwork for this episode is by Jamila Kukomo. Audio editing is by Dave Kovacek of Moderate Science Recording in Royal Oak, Michigan. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, visit bit.ly slash third paradigm guest. That's bit.ly slash the number three R-D capital P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M capital G-U-E-S-T. If you would like to submit a topic for a future episode, please submit your topic and a brief description to thirdparadigmpodcast at gmail.com. That's the number 3RD, paradigmpodcast at gmail.com.